0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. Today, I have with me Rich Goldstein, who's a patent attorney uh, from the U.S., and he works with Amazon sellers. How are you doing today, Rich? I'm doing well. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about patents and copyrights and trademarks. Um, but first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and how did you end up you know, working with Amazon and e-commerce sellers?
1: Okay, great. Well, um, I... Uh Uh, First studied electrical engineering, and then um, I went to law school to become a patent attorney, and right as I was graduating law school, I I realized that I did not want to work at another firm. I've always had an interest in business. I've always been entrepreneurial, and so I decided to just start my own firm, but um, when you start your own firm, the obvious question is where are the clients going to come from? So... Uh, I, um, I've always had a, a a big love for marketing. And so one of the things I did was I launched a magazine for inventors, which was a way to kind of gain an audience and to, uh, to get clients. So basically, I was doing content marketing in print in the mid 90s. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into this. And I've been working with entrepreneurs through my career, which has been 25 years at this point. and um, like I said, always been interested in marketing and which led me to, 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 uh, go to different marketing events and, um, uh, events related to digital marketing. And I'm in so I'm in different masterminds that are centered around digital marketing. Uh, and in the course of doing that, I met some people that were involved in e-commerce and, and that were involved in Amazon selling. And so they invited me to come speak at their masterminds and at their events, and through doing that, I realized that that um, at e-commerce events, I was surrounded by people that needed my help. So it just occurred as a very powerful niche, a great place for me to be, and a place where I really could help people to uh, to protect themselves and um, also to learn how to do things the right way with regard to IP, so that they didn't get in trouble with other e-commerce sellers. So I've um, been working with entrepreneurs for about 25 years and been working with Amazon sellers and other people in e-commerce for the last couple of years, and uh, it's been really great.
0: Fantastic, okay. So let's dive into the topic for today. So first of all, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, let's talk about the basics. So what exactly are the main differences between a patent, trademark, and copyright?
1: Okay, great. Yes, uh, people often get confused between them, and you'll hear people say things like, "Hey, that's um, that's a great idea. You should trademark it, or um, you should copyright that product." And you know, those type of types of statements reflect a mismatch between the type of thing and the type of protection. So here's our easy framework for re- remembering what they're for. So when you think patents, think products. Patents protect products and product ideas. Trademarks protect brands. So whenever you have a brand or a logo, that's what a tra- when a trademark would be involved. And copyright is for content, content of all kinds, including things like um, the, um, uh, the images and copy that might be found on a listing, but also things like songs and movies and uh, works of visual art. Those are protected by copyright. So copyright is for content. Patents products, trademark brands, and copyright content.
0: Okay, so for Amazon sellers, I guess the most important would be patents and trademarks, correct? Correct,
1: because generally those are, those are the types of IP that come into play for Amazon sellers when you have something that you want to protect with a patent. And um, on the other hand, when someone else claims that they have the patent rights to a product that you're producing, so that's how it often comes into play. And then with trademarks, the name that you're using, the branding... And, of course, um, uh, brand gating and brand registry happens through trademarks as well. So patents and trademarks are the most important thing for an Amazon seller to know.
0: Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit more about patents in detail. So you know, why do you think it's important for Amazon sellers to patent a product?
1: Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And um, when you have something that... Um, that is worthy of protection, then maybe you should protect it. But it's very important to take a close look at what actually is protectable, what actually makes it different, what makes it distinct uh, distinct from other products. And oftentimes at Amazon, you're looking to distinguish your product from the competition. There, there may be dozens or even hundreds of other products in your category, and and lots of people searching for, um, for a product that may be in the same genre And you want to make it distinct. But the minute that you make your product distinct, uh, other sellers are seeking to do the same thing. They're seeking to do what's working for you. So the extent to which you could protect something that actually matters to your market is the the extent, extent to which you can keep things exclusive. You could hold on to that competitive advantage. And so when you do have something like that, when you do have something that's distinct, something that's making a difference to the market. In other words, your competitors want to do the same thing and your customers want to make sure that whatever they buy includes that feature. If you could protect that, then you should. Um, But a lot of times people go too far with patents and they protect things that aren't even important to protect. They protect, um, maybe they see that there is something different about their product and that they can get a patent on that difference. But the question you always need to ask yourself is, Does that difference matter to the marketplace? Does it matter to my customers? Does it matter to my competitors? Because if it doesn't, then it's probably not worth patenting.
0: Okay. And um, a lot of Amazon sellers, you know, they private label products. So they're basically modifying existing products from Chinese or Indian suppliers. So when is a product patent worthy? And what kind of changes are required to a specific product to be able to get a patent successfully?
1: Yes. Well, um, so um, a lot of times um, sellers are just white labeling products, selling products that they found in, uh, on Alibaba or in China or in India. Um, and so, I mean, for, in, in those cases, when you're just selling products that already exist, it's not something that you would even consider patenting. When you modify the product, though, when, when, you, when maybe you've been selling white-labeled products for a long time and you say, you know what, I want to do something different, I see an opportunity here to, to make a better version than anyone else is making. So when you innovate like that, that's when you should consider patenting. So, um, I mean, in terms of simply modifying the products, if you're just changing things, like you're changing the color of it, maybe just um, changing some minor aspects of it, that it might not um, be something that you you can even patent. Um, And, and, you know, part of what, what dictates that is the type of patent that you go for.
0: Okay. So there are different types of patents, like there are design patents and utility patents, and then there's also trade dress. Can you talk a little bit about those different types of patents?
1: Yes. So design patents are... Um, well, let me, let me talk about utility patents first. So a utility patent is what we most typically think of when we think of a patent. We think of you invented something. You came up with something new, something that functions in a different way. It's a better mousetrap, and therefore it, it has a structural difference that allows it to be an improved version of what exists. So that's what utility patents are for. Utility patents are for structurally distinct inventions that are that way for a functional purpose. So you invent something new, you get a utility patent. As I said, it's most typically what we think of when we think of a patent and what a patent is for uh, design patent. On the other hand is for just the appearance of the product. Uh, so if you make a product that has a distinctive look to it, then you could get a design patent for that. And again, It's just for the appearance and um, traditionally people consider design patents to be not worth very much because what they'll say is that if someone just changes the way the product looks, it's no longer going to be infringing the design patent. So is it worth getting a design patent? But now with Amazon, things have been pretty much turned upside down with regard to design patents and utility patents. And Uh, if you have a product on Amazon and um, it's got a distinctive appearance and you get a design patent for it and then you notice that your competitor is unimaginatively knocking you off. In other words, they're just making the same product and it looks the same. You send your design patent into Amazon and you can have the listing easily shut down. And um, so in the past, we would say, well, is it really worth trying to enforce a design patent spending a ton of money bringing um, the other side to court to try and enforce this design patent now it's as simple as doing an ip complaint uh, and you don't even need to have an attorney to do that you just need your design patent and amazon will look at it and say well you know, the product looks like the the patent. the product looks like the the design shown in the design patent and they'll shut down the listing so design patents have become very valuable on um, on Amazon, which kind of circles back around to the last question of when when it's pr- patent-worthy. And I'd say in the past, we'd often really look for something more significant about the product, um, and that's to get a utility patent. We'd look for something more significant about the way it functions and whether that's something important enough that we should be uh, applying for a patent. But now with Amazon and the way that they, they – um, the way that – that Amazon has been deferring to IP owners. They've been deferring to people that have design patents. It pays to be an IP owner. It pays to be the one holding the design patent. And so therefore, if you, again, if you have a product that has a distinct appearance, then you should file a design patent application and uh, potentially you'll be able to shut others down. And, um, actually just, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at an event with other Amazon sellers and, and, um, and one was telling me the story about when he got, um, after he launched his product and he had applied for a design patent, he had about 40 other sellers come in and do the same thing. And then the day that his design patent issued, the day that it was, it was approved and, and printed by the US government, he started filing IP complaints. And within three days, he, he as he described it, within three glorious days, he shut down 40 other listings mm-hmm. for, um, for competitive products, for products that were knocking him off. And so he got a whole lot of mileage out of that design patent. And, um, and again, the, the Amazon has set the stage by having this procedure in place and by really deferring to the people with the design patent. If it looks similar, they shut them down and ask questions later.
0: Hmm. Cool. So, what about, um, you know, the, what are the differences in patent laws in different countries, specifically the yeah. US, UK, and China? And if a seller wants to sell their product in multiple markets, do they need to register, you know, their product or patent their product in all of the different markets?
1: Yes. Well, patents are territorial. So if you, want to, if you want to enforce a patent in the U.S., you need to have a patent in the U.S. Now, granted that a U.S. patent pr- prevents someone else from making, using, or selling the product in the U.S. So um, if the concern is that, that, that perhaps it will be manufactured in China and, and then brought into the U.S., well, once it's in the U.S., then it's an infringing product. So... Um, so th- again, the U.S. patent prevents someone from making, using, or selling in the U.S. If, however, you're concerned about the product being, let's say, made in China and sold in China, then you'd need a Chinese patent in order to stop someone from from, from doing that. Because if the product doesn't touch the U.S. in any way, it's not going to be infringing. So if you if you do have multiple markets where you're selling the products, then you should patent the product um, in those markets. And, um, so in terms of differences, like there, there are certain differences between different jurisdictions. Um, mostly the, the laws follow the same principles, the same principles of patent law, uh, generally apply to how U S patents, UK patents, and Chinese patents are, are processed and reviewed. But there's one important thing to know. And, um, and that is that, and this is one of the big differences too, is that if your product is on sale, if you put your product on sale and you haven't yet applied for a patent, you'll immediately lose your rights in most of the world. Um, and in the U.S., um, worst case scenario, uh, if a year has gone by, then you've, you've uh, lost the right to, to patent it in the U.S. as well. So that's one of the differences right there. But, but again, it's founded on an important principle that most people don't know. Most people think that, well, patents are expensive and therefore if, uh, if I start selling the product and it does really well, then I'll patent it. The problem is what they don't realize is that they, they'll lose the rights to ever patent the product if they do so. Um, and again, the, there's one of the important differences in the U.S., They might have heard that that they have one year to apply for a patent um, once once they put the product on sale, but that's not true in the UK and in China. So there's a difference right there. Um, And so if you want to patent it in China, you need to apply before you publicly disclose it, before you put it on sale.
0: Okay. So that means if a product is already selling on Amazon and... Uh, it is a unique product. Um, you won't be able to patent it after it's it's uh, been selling on Amazon for a year, but um, before a year goes by, you can still patent it. Is that correct?
1: Um, under the right circumstances, I mean, it's called a grace period Okay, uh, that exists in the US and it still has to be under the right circumstances. There are ways in which you can still lose the right. But um, um, yeah, so it's kind of like what you want to do is apply before you put the product on sale. But if a year has gone by, it's absolutely game over.
0: Okay. So what is the process of patenting a product, and you know how much does it cost, and how long does it take?
1: It uh, typically takes a couple of years to get um, a utility patent, maybe closer to around one year to get a design patent. And um, the process is is you put in a patent application that, in the case of a design patent, it shows what the design is. Um, In the case of a utility patent, it is more involved and it explains what the invention is, how it's structured, how it differs from things that have been done before, and basically starts the process of convincing the patent office that it's worthy of a patent. So um, in either case, though, it begins with a patent application And at some point down the road, usually about six months to a year later, it will be reviewed by a uh, patent office examiner. And they'll decide whether the the patent is, uh, whether the patent application is different enough to be approved. Um, And if it is, then they'll approve it. And certain issuance fees need to be paid to have the patent issue. And if they feel that it's not different enough, they provide a rejection And then we take a look at what the rejection is. And we take a look at whether we think that the examiner is correct or not, and that it's not different enough to be worthy of a patent. And um, um, that's typically what the process looks like. And and also, I'll note that if the application is rejected, and it seems like we have reasonable arguments to make, then we'll respond and we'll show the examiner uh, where they went wrong in reviewing the patent application. And most of the time when we do so, we're successful in, in getting the patent to be approved. Um, and then again, as before, um, after certain issuance fees are paid, then the patent is granted. And um, in terms of the cost, typically a few thousand dollars to apply for a design patent and uh, typically um, north of $10,000 to do utility patent. Utility patent application is a lot more involved, and so it's more expensive. Um, And, uh, um, again, design patents are a lot less expensive, and and that's one of the reasons why it's often worthwhile to do a design patent if you have a distinctive product.
0: Okay. So – before the application, you know, what sort of documentation or what sort of preparation do, uh, does a seller need to do? Do they need to, you know, get 3D renderings and maybe do some competitive analysis to compare their product with other similar products? Or what sort of preparation goes behind, uh, you know, before the application is submitted?
1: Got it. Well, um, I mean, first thing you want to do is you want to research what exists. Um, that's been... That's been um, patented before. It's what's called the prior art. So, prior art are things that existed before your product was invented. And uh, so, you want to get to know the prior art. You want to get to know what other people have done so that you could determine well, not only is it different enough to be granted a patent, but what is different about it? Because the thing that makes it different is going to be the thing that gets protected. By the patent. It's going to be the thing that the patent covers. And see, there's a very common misconception with patents that like, you'll see people say, well, oh, that product over there, it's patented and therefore I can't do it. I can't make anything like it. But th- there's, there's always a scope for a patent. And the question is like, well, what can't you do? What does the pr- patent prevent you from, from copying? Because there, are, there's always uh, kind of like a hook to the patent, or there's something about it that makes it um, that, in terms of the um, what it covers and the territory that it defines. So every patent defines a territory of things that someone else can't do, uh, or they would be infringing the patent. And so... What you really want to figure out is well, if I was going to get a patent here, what would that territory be? Mm-hmm. Would it be kind of um, double hand double handled can openers and can openers in general, or would it be double handled can openers that have a um, a worm gear and the spur gear and mesh or whatever? Just you want to figure out what existed so you can see what's different about it and that will help determine what the patent would actually cover and then you can figure out whether it's worth doing because again you want to look at whether that thing that you're able to patent that territory that you're able to cover is that something that your customers care about and is that something that your competitors care about so um, just to 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 wrap that up what So, in terms of the type of analysis you want to do before applying for a patent, you do want to figure out what the prior art is. You want to do a prior art search to determine uh, other patents that exist. And um, in terms of the type of information that you need to have ready, 3D renderings are helpful, but not absolutely necessary. I mean, I've worked with plenty of clients that had a sketch on the back of a napkin, and many more that didn't even have a sketch that just described to me what they had in mind doing. And then I took that um, kind of basic description and turned it into a 30-page patent application. Um, it's, you know, something I've done a few thousand times at this point.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so can a patent be filed directly by um, a seller or do they absolutely need an attorney or an agency to help them?
1: You really need an attorney to help you do it. Okay. Um, this, um, here's the scale of, of things. When it comes to a copyright, copyright is something you absolutely can do on your own. You shouldn't hire an attorney to do a copyright. Uh, a trademark is something that if you study well, if you, if you really look into how it's done, you can do a trademark on your own, although you probably should have a, a, a trademark attorney helping you uh, because the application itself takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes but the important thing is really deciding what to trademark. It's it's the strategy that matters, and that's where a trademark attorney will come into play. But it is possible to get a trademark without a trademark attorney. Uh, but when it comes to a patent, absolutely can't do it yourself well. Um, and that is, even if you can, um, even if you manage to get it through the, the process, even if you manage to kind of not... Um, um, not stumble in a way that results in your application being a tr- in, irretrievably rejected where it can't be fixed and you just need to abandon it. So even if you can get past those requirements, you're not ever going to get a patent that that uh, a patent attorney couldn't poke 100 holes in if it needed to be enforced. So you're not going to get something that's going to have any value or have any real hope of stopping your competitors from, from doing what you want to stop them from doing, so yeah, don't even think about doing your own patent.
0: Okay. So, Sounds
1: really self-serving. I mean, yeah. I'm a patent attorney. <laughs> you'd expect me to say that, but um, I soften it by saying it's somewhat possible to do a trademark on your own, and definitely do a copyright on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things that you ought to do on your own, um, and you and and I, I think you ought to, as a seller be conservative conservative with with your money because often you're operating on small margins and and I think one of the keys to being successful as a seller is managing your expenses um, and uh, so that you're able to be profitable when you are um, able to sell product Um, but when it comes to a patent um, yeah absolutely I would say don't don't um, do a patent on your own and don't Um, kind of pay one of these, like, legal document assembly services to to do it for you poorly. Um, Even if you can get it done inexpensively, whatever money you spent on that inexpensive patent was wasted. You might as well have not done anything at all. Um, I've seen them. I've seen the products that come out of that um, or in terms of the work product. And as I said, it's something that I could poke 100 holes in um, almost immediately, and uh, it would never allow you to successfully enforce it
0: a lot of our listeners are based in asia um, do you know anything at all about the process um, you know in singapore or maybe india uh, indonesia these other asian countries
1: not specifically i mean most of my clients start with the u.s patent and then we file in um, uh, and, and typically within one year of the the filing in the u.s we could file in those other countries and uh typically we engage colleagues in those countries to uh um uh, to to do the actual filing in in whatever country we're we're looking to and so i mean uh um you know and there are there are patent attorneys in in um in 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 most major countries in the world and uh and they could help with those specific uh in those specific jurisdictions
0: Okay, so let's say there's a seller in Singapore. Um, would their patent be more likely to be approved in the U.S. if they already had a patent in Singapore?
1: Not necessarily, um, but they're filing in Singapore. Well, for, well first of all, um, if you have a patent, um, if you already have the patent in Singapore, it's too late for you to apply in the United States. So, patents have to be done at around the same time. Uh, as I mentioned, it's like if you, if you filed in Singapore, then within one year you can file in, in the United States, and then what you gain is you gain priority from that Singapore application. So, let's say you file the application in Singapore in July of 2019. Then as long as you file in the U.S. by July of uh, 2020, they'll consider the U.S. application as if it was filed in July of 2019. So the the advantage you gain is priority, but you can't wait until you actually get that Singapore patent to apply in the U S or, or it's just, it's too late. Basically you need to apply for them all at around the same time. Um, so that's part of it. But in terms of being easier to get in the U S um, when the, when the U S patent office does their own examination, they're going to, f- they'll, they'll follow their own criteria and, There's no deference given to the fact that there's an existing Singapore patent, just as I said, the fact that there's priority from whatever that Singapore application was filed.
0: Okay, interesting. So based on your experience working with Amazon sellers, what are the types of products that you're seeing most Amazon sellers patenting?
1: just about everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. just about anything that... um, All types of consumer products... Again, if we're talking about a design patent, anything that has a distinctive appearance. And um, um, yeah, it, it, could, it, could, it really cuts across categories. It could be just about anything.
0: Okay, so it's electronics, home products. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay,
1: Lots of consumer products, that's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times a, um, uh, a
1: seller will, will launch a product and uh, didn't believe that they were copying anyone but they'll suddenly find themselves in a situation where they're defending themselves against someone else's design patent. And uh, you know, that's one thing about, um, uh, about patents is that fault has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter if you copied it from someone else or if you just coincidentally put out a product with a similar design. Um, If the comparison is fair in terms of the product having substantially similar appearance, then you will be infringing. Um, And and by the way, that is different than copyright. With copyright, um, the way to avoid um, inadvertently infringing someone's copyright, just don't copy them. Um, Because with copyright, it's always a matter of that there was an existing product that you had access to that you then copied. And sometimes they'll infer it, um, by how, um, how prominent the other product is, and uh, th- therefore they'll infer that you had access to it. But generally, the way that you avoid copyright infringen- infringement is just by not copying it, by not cutting and pasting someone else's uh, listing description, um, by not borrowing someone else's images, and not assuming that you could use someone else's images just by giving them credit. That's how you avoid copyright infringement. Patent infringement is more difficult. Um, and as I said, uh, it is easy to inadvertently infringe, and s- and sometimes the best way to avoid that is just by doing your homework, by doing some digging, by doing a, a, a patent search to see what else ex- what else exists that might have a similar appearance or 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 might be infringing.
0: Okay, so what is your one piece of advice for someone who's just starting their amazon and e commerce business
1: well i I think the the best advice is to pick your patent projects wisely um, in that don't don't you should neither um, kind of go full speed ahead go full speed ahead without patenting anything and say let me just let me just get, get out there and, 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 just, and put these great products out on the market and I'll figure it out later. You should neither do that, nor should you feel that, that you should put your, your money into patenting things right off the bat either. So, but what you should do is with any particular product is carefully decide whether it's something that you want to protect uh, and either make the decision to protect it or don't. Um, but whatever you do, just don't look back. Do um, make the decision at an early stage, whether you plan to patent it um, and then move on. Um, and it's kind of like one of the things to consider is that um, a lot of times people ask, well, should I, even aside from, from, from patents in the trademark realm, should I trademark this, this name? Like, or should I trademark this catchphrase that I'm using? It's not the main name for the product. And what I say to them is, well, if you suddenly notice that someone else was using that name, if they were using that phrase or if they were copying this part of your product, would you be offended? Um, Would your company be economically harmed? Um, If so, then maybe you should do something about protecting it. Um, But a lot of times that type of litmus test done early in the beginning really helps sort out what you care about and what you don't. And, um, And, and maybe you're, um, maybe protecting it doesn't matter, but again, um, probably the best advice I could give is to figure that out at an early stage, what you care about and what matters to you to protect and protect the things that matter. And for those that don't, then just go ahead with your business and do the best you can getting the product out there, getting the listings optimized and doing everything you can to generate sales. And, um, uh, and And I'd say that's the best way to to get things going and to just make sure that you don't have any regrets about how you handle your business and about how you decide what you protect.
0: Okay, makes sense. Great. So this has been fantastic. Uh, You've given so much great information. And, you know, for me myself, you've uh, um, been able to demystify patents. So before we go, do you want to tell us a little bit about the book that you've written, The Consumer Guide to Obtaining a Patent? What's the book all about and where can people get a copy of it?
1: Okay, well, um, yeah, it's the ABA Consumer Guide to Obtaining a Patent, and you can get it on Amazon pretty much around the world. Um, it, it is in fulfillment centers in um, many different international locations. And um, basically the American Bar Association asked me to write this book to explain to entrepreneurs how patents work. And really what I sought to do is break down these complex concepts into plain English. And um, the book is written pretty much the same as I am talking to you right now. And it's, um, Uh, it's not meant to be a do-it-yourself guide. It's meant to have you be an intelligent consumer of patent services, meaning that there will be different points during your selling career when you'll think about whether you need to patent something. You'll think about whether you're infringing someone else's patent. And this book is really set up to help you make good decisions at those crossroads so that you do the right things at the right time and you spend your money on the right things at the right time. So that's what the book is all about. And again, you can find the book on Amazon. Um, if you want to learn more about the process, I have uh, videos online Some are at my website, which is a uh, goldsteinpatentlaw.com. Um, and I also have some, some videos a, a, a free series of videos that you could find at patentvideos.com. And that's really it.
0: Cool. So over the course of your career, Rich, how many patents have you filed? <laughs>
1: um, I've filed thousands. And, uh, and at this point, uh, I've, I've obtained uh, over 2,000 patents for my clients, which is, uh, is a pretty high number. I, yeah. I don't know any of my colleagues that have a number similar to that, but uh, um, it's, uh, it's been fun.
0: That's incredible. Okay. So um, how can people reach you?
1: The uh, Best way to reach me is through my website, goldsteampatentlaw.com. And uh, um, there's some, some great resources there. And you could also get in touch with us and talk with my uh, team and see if it's a match for us to work together.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich. This has been really helpful. And uh, I'm sure listeners will find uh, a lot of useful information here. So thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast.
1: Uh, absolutely. My pleasure. Bye.